0: here today with Chris Denny. Uh, hi Chris, how are you? Hey there, doing great. Well, thanks for um, being on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it because you're bringing a, a, a different sort of perspective that we don't normally talk about and that's about how you improve people's attention to detail. Not something that I really heard of in the sort of training world before.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. It it uh, it, it is a fairly unique topic and a lot of people don't, don't approach it because they don't feel like it's something they can really affect or improve upon. They, they, Many people feel like it's something you either have or you don't, and they sort of leave it at that.
0: Yeah, but that's what I would have thought as well. It's kind of one of those things that people have that detail-orientated brain or that type of thinking style perhaps, or they don't. It, it doesn't feel like it's something that can be learned. But I guess you don't believe that seeing as your job is to teach people it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. And, and, you know, one thing you can compare it to is leadership, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, even even now, a lot of people thought of and still think of leadership as something you either have or you, you don't have, you know, can you be a good leader? And yet it is it is probably the top training topic. Uh, there are probably more people teaching how to be a leader and, and leadership qualities than anything else. And uh, really, you know, I apply that, that same idea, that same concept to improving attention to detail where there's just it's a framework you know and and everyone has the the capability within them uh, to be more detail oriented and and one way you can think of it is that everyone is detail oriented about something it it could be just something they're passionate about it could be a hobby hopefully it's something related to work maybe it's just one part of their work but but they are detail oriented they can exhibit attention to detail in something and uh, there are ways to expand that so that everyone can be more detail-oriented in a more well-rounded way.
0: That's a really interesting point, because when you said then about leadership, I was thinking, well, we all kind of approach leadership slightly differently. We all have different styles, all have different things we need to learn to improve our leadership, whereas it doesn't feel that you would have a different attention-to-detail style. It feels that you either kind of have it or you don't. Maybe you can learn to get better at it, but you're actually saying that's something slightly different there, because you're all saying, actually, we do all kind of have an attention-to-detail Style, perhaps not quite the right word, but there are certain things that we do uh, that we where we do exhibit that trait.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, some people, you know, in, in, in the most simple way, some people are are it, you can think of it as, you know, left brain, right brain. Some people are going to be more detail oriented about the numbers, whereas some people are going to, to notice the speck of dust in the corner of the room or that something's out of alignment. You know, that the pictures aren't lined up perfectly on the wall. And uh, those might be different people. Now, there might be one person that notices all of those things and more. And, you know, some types of attention to detail are about catching errors. Some are about improvement. And, uh, you know, that's something we get into in the training. But, but yeah, there are all types and there are people who do it all.
0: That Now, that you've really caught my attention now, actually, because I don't think I have a particularly good attention to detail. And yet, I will notice the crap out of anything that's not aligned properly. <laughs> so, <laughs> you've you've convinced me that at least I have one style of attention to detail, even if it's just one that uh, isn't particularly helpful. Um, at least not in my work. Right. Spend all day putting things straight is not necessarily um, that productive. Sure. <laughs> but I guess it gives you something to work with. Um, it, at least if I have, at least if I've convinced of that. But but actually, yeah, that that leads me on to another thought. You said when you said about leadership because leadership is tends to be quite aspirational and people are which is why i guess it's such a big business how can you make attention to detail aspirational
1: so it's about the quality of your work or the quality of what is important to you right so it and it depends on the type of work you do it could be that it's about reducing mistakes about or about catching more errors it it just depends on what you're doing and for some people, it could be about being better at problem solving, while for others, it could be about finding opportunities for improvement or for innovation. So it just it just depends on what uh, you know, where you're adding value in the world, and what's important to you as an individual, and for your your team and your company, and what you need to work on. So we, we I actually break it down by there are three types of attention to detail, and that's contrastive, analytical and additive. And contrastive attention to detail is there's one solution. It's completely objective. It is either red or blue or it's there or it's not. The box is checked or it's not. Uh, you know, the light is flashing or it's not. There's a sound or there's not. It, it is it is yes or no. Uh, only one solution. And then analytical attention to detail is where most of us operate on a daily basis, especially, you know, anyone in an office setting or a knowledge worker, so to so to speak. And that's about finding solutions. There may be more than one solution. There often is. Think of, you know, an example is, um, you know, what's the best strategy to move forward with sales? There are many ways you can do that. And who's to say which is the best? It could be about execution or whatever. But, uh, you know, you, you have to identify the individual elements. So you make it as contrastive as possible. You want to identify all of those you know, one solution objective components and then put those together to find an ideal solution or a great solution moving forward. And then additive is about improvement. It's about uh, innovation. And because it's about improving or about innovation, it's very difficult to systematize that, but you can, you can systematize the process you use to find the opportunity to innovate or uh, find what you want to improve
0: right so that's quite surprising actually because I thought attention to detail was pretty much just your contrastive which is checking that you you've got your eyes crossed T's dotted all of that stuff just checking the detail is correct yeah I never really thought that the analytical or the additive would get into that category of attention to detail it does if you use the sense of quality as, as you described it initially, but yeah, that's surprising. That surprises me.
1: Yeah, I mean, think about it in terms of... Um, so this is actually... I, I truly believe this is this is why people kind of say, well, you either have it or you don't. It's because it's kind of a large concept. And, and we oversimplify it in our heads. And it's just easier to say, well, you either have it or you don't. But when you break it down, you know, think of Steve Jobs. His his attention to detail, his his additive attention to detail was off the charts. He changed the world. But if you read stories about him and just do a Google search for, you know, Steve jobs attention to detail and you'll find quite a few stories and it, it sort of becomes clear that his additive attention to detail was so clear in his mind, it was almost contrastive. And so the people that worked for him, it was like you had to just keep producing whatever level of quality until what he was describing as the future came to be. And, uh, it, it's kind of interesting. Most people aren't like that. Of course, most people are operating in a, in a solutions oriented in a, within that analytical attention to detail realm. And it is all about, you know, back to your point, actually, the more you can break it down to contrastive, to, to right or wrong or yes or no, or it's there or not, the, the better you will be at delivering effective solutions or creating that, that new improvement, that, that innovation. Because you've addressed all the individual elements. Because you've addressed and processed those
0: individual elements. So analytical is the finding solutions thing. In what way is that attention to detail? I can't quite get that.
1: Yeah, sure. So it is going to be about uh, the ability to identify all of the individual elements. It, at the end of the day, you, you are doing your best to break it down into contrastive elements. So, uh, I mean, that is the foundation. That is that is ultra important. So. Um, you know, pick a pick a problem. Let's let's say you're trying to develop a strategy. You know, I mentioned earlier, you know, you're trying to develop a sell strategy. So you take that and you take that complex problem and you break down the individual elements of it. Say, okay, what are our competitors doing? What uh, what are are our customers asking for? What do we want and have? And of course within each of those are you know dozens, dozens of individual individual elements. So you break those out and then and identify and process those. And you bring those all back together after you have broken them all down, and then you can develop a solution to go forward. You might have five solutions, and you have to pick one or two. But it is the the systemization, the automation of the attention to detail by breaking it down into those individual components that makes it happen. And a lot of people skip that process. They just say, well, you know, they don't dive so deeply into it. They just say, well, my gut is this or, uh, you know, we know these five things, but really they should know 27 things. They should should have more in place. They should be more attentive to the individual elements, the individual details that affect the issue at hand.
0: So you mean it's kind of like a thoroughness in terms of really going through a process properly and really deep diving on each bit of it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Thoroughness is a great word. I mean, that, that comes into the conversations a lot, just making sure that you are approaching everything that needs to be addressed um, and yeah thoroughness is certainly certainly a, a, an important part of it.
0: Is that similar with additive? Add, add, sorry, <laughs> yeah. add, talking about um, quality, can't speak. Um, okay. You mean added, additive, is that a similar principle of the attention yes. to detail that you're talking about is the willingness to really challenge, be thorough, think things through, see, uh, see that, imagine that future exactly
1: so so with additive it it gets very interesting it's absolutely the most complex uh, type where what you're trying to do is create a system that helps you identify everything that's important in order to innovate or, or to help you identify the opportunity for innovation or for improvement it might not be that you're Trying to create an entirely new product. You know, maybe you're not trying to create the iPod, right, or or the iPhone. You know, something. something oh, new. I really miss
0: the iPod. I so <laughs> miss having an iPod.
1: They were pretty great.
0: <laughs> they were brilliant. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it could Sorry. be that. No, it's okay. It could be that you are um, at a financial services company and you are, or or a bank, and you're trying to improve the online billing system. And you're looking for opportunities to improve that in a way that is an actual competitive advantage and so you you create a system that ensures as much as possible that you are identifying every individual elements and and addressing everything you know so you may say okay uh like i mentioned with the solutions earlier it's it's very similar but you have to go a little deeper with with this and your goal is to find something an opportunity to create something new to improve you want to find out, for example, what technology exists. Maybe what technology will exist in six months or in a year. Of course, what customers want, what they actually care about, uh, what people are hearing about in the marketplace, what competitors are doing, you, and and you know, ten other things. And you break all of those down, and you can do it on spreadsheets. You can you can cover the walls with sticky notes. You know, with your with your team. You can do it however you like. But it's about developing a system that helps you identify the opportunity. Uh, we don't all have unfortunately we don't all have that, you know, Steve Jobs ability to just sort of see the future and whatever method he used for that. But but you can create a system that allows everyone to become part of the innovation, right? You can put 20 heads together and help, and, and allow everyone to be part of that improvement, not just wait for the leadership to to point the direction.
0: So a lot of the process that you're describing sounds similar across the three types. So is it that the motivation is different in each case?
1: Yeah, it's the motivation and the complexity. Um, And the
0: complexity, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's, it's, you know, of course, additive additive is all about something new. The analytical is going to be a little more in the moment. It's day-to-day, you know, whereas with additive, you may spend a significant more amount of time on something and your possibilities could be endless. I mean, if you say what you know, what can we innovate? What's the new product or or what new uh, improvement? Who's to say? It it could be so many things. Whereas uh, the solution on a day-to-day for, you know, how do we improve this part so it, you know, fits a little better or, hey, we keep breaking this part in the production process, you know, how do we fix this? Is it about the machine or the, you know, the person working or something about the materials and and it's a little it's a little easier it's a little more finite you know there, there are only so many possible options.
0: Well I, I hope we convinced everybody that this is actually a really interesting subject and there's a lot more to it than perhaps might seem obvious when you just hear the words attention to detail but this is a learning and development podcast so when it actually comes to us potentially introducing this into our workshops or our discussions with people How are we going to structure it? Do you have a a model that you use? Um, And then maybe you could sort of talk us through that and uh, what kind of activities you might do at each stage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, of course, it depends on the needs of the client. For instance, if we're in a workshop, then they may have uh, recently experienced a a large mistake. You know, someone made an error that cost $2 million. And so uh, the importance at the moment is on instilling the value of attention to detail, of getting things right, and for a lot of companies, it's about what I call everyday excellence. It is about uh, getting more of the little things right every day, which is essentially being process oriented. And by doing so, uh, you're going to get the bigger things right. And you know, if you correct those mistakes sort of early on in a process. Um, a common example people bring up is lack of detail, lack of information in an email. Maybe it's an unclear message, and so, uh, but people don't reply back and go, "Hey, what do you mean?" They just kind of accept it at face value and do their best. Well, a lot of times that's a very, you know, low place in the operation to uh, begin with a mistake, and that builds, it, it escalates, and sort of cascades into much bigger problems. So. We, after we discuss the three types of attention to detail, then we get into the five fundamental elements of attention to detail. And those are focus, interest, knowledge, systems, and attitude, specifically what I call right or wrong attitude. And that's a bit of a sort of a cultural adjustment, but it's a very, very small one. I don't like to, you know, adjusting a culture of a company is a big, big thing. So I just kind of like to get this idea across to
0: people. That, that sounds similar to the point you made about the, the value in the first place.
1: Yes, exactly. And so a lot of it is, of course, we, you know, we, we go through exercises in these individual elements and we're creating a common language, which of course has to do with, you know, culture and, and uh, a bit of change. So we're creating a common language and a common understanding and a common appreciation for this concept that we're all doing better, that we're, that we all care about making fewer mistakes about improving productivity. And um, so, for instance, one of the exercises we do with a room of whatever size, maybe it could be six people, it could be 20 or 30 uh, or 50, the exercise is one of my favorites is we go around the room and we, we identify the most common mistakes that we see that are related to attention to detail. And the a large piece of the value of it is – Uh, well, there's two parts really. One is that everyone recognizes that we all experience, we all see, or maybe even make many of the same types of mistakes. And then we have conversations around that. And we realize that these are not that hard to fix. And so we do our best to leave the workshop with some solutions in place where, you know, they can, they can take action on these immediately. So we identify those mistakes and then, you know, address that, hey, we all have these and we can fix these pretty easily. Others, and we get more specific, so... We I was going to make... say,
0: just on that point, what kind of thing comes out? Is it always the contrastive stuff?
1: Well, there are certain ones I can always pick. There, I mean, I can almost, now, after a lot of workshops, I can almost get up there and write down the top three or maybe even five and cover them up and just reveal them as people say them uh, because I know they're going to come up. Uh, I mentioned earlier, email communication or just communication in general is, is really common. And it goes both ways. It could be that you know, someone's saying, well, I always forget to either copy someone on an email or I copy the wrong person on an email or, or I receive emails whose instructions aren't clear. And so I have to go you – know, there's a back and forth comes out of that. Another very common mistake is data entry. So, which you could almost put into the email category, but this is more specific. It's, it's almost always about, this always happens with uh, groups of project managers, and I don't want to pick on anyone, but but uh, that's a really common issue with project managers or any sort of production type type crew where, you know, someone entered the wrong part number or it was received incorrectly. And then we get into possible solutions, you know. Gosh, I love the workshops because you hear so many great ideas come about everything from, you know, implementing barcode structures to uh, actually changing the way some products are designed so that they, you know, oh, so that wow. you can't make mistakes. Yeah, there's, there, the workshops are a lot of fun. I, 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 I love the people because typically the people who, who do these workshops, the companies that do these workshops are world-class organizations. They're already interested in product, you know, in, in quality improvements and so, there are already a lot of ideas floating around. So,
0: I love that idea, though, of redesigning the product to minimize error. I guess so I suppose that comes yeah. back to Murphy's law, isn't it? If it, if it, if the screw can be put on the wrong way, it will be put on the wrong way. So it should only be able to put it on the right way. Exactly. I mean, that 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 takes quite a design leap of faith to sort of think that through. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I love that that could be an outcome, better design.
1: Yeah. One thing the exercises do is that. You know so many times when when companies get into uh, quality improvement exercises, it's kind of just the the managers that are in the room or you know directors, it's leadership. But in a lot of these workshops we have everybody. You have you know everyone from the tech to directors. And some of the best ideas that that I see come around are from the ground level people, you know the frontline people. They're like, well, this is the real problem with this with this product. I'm thinking of a specific example. At uh, BASF, there was a a very sharp young man who actually had an idea of how to improve the design of probes they use to measure chemicals in their tanks. And uh, there were a lot of head nods in the room, like, wow, why didn't we do that before? And um, it's just because, you know, you put, I think there were about 40 people in the room that day, you put that many heads together and, uh, you know, someone comes up with a really great idea.
0: So what you were talking about there really is trying to influence people's attitude, I guess. It fits under yes. that one of the fundamental elements. Yes. What about the other one? Let's 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 go to focus because I think that's the one that I was most intrigued by, and I think it's the one that challenge a lot of us are challenged by these days with so many distractions. How can we improve our focus? So what do you do in that area?
1: Absolutely. So of course we talk about practices, and you mentioned the big word. You mentioned distractions. We talk about. Uh, activities you can do to help improve focus. Um, Of course, meditation is the best by far. I can tell you from personal experience and from just research is is clear about the value of meditation. Now, you can't expect everyone to start meditating. And so we we don't put too much emphasis on on that in workshops because it's not for everyone. A lot of people aren't even going to bother with it. But It is so impactful, we have to address it, right? So we talk about being process-oriented, which is about uh, focusing on what is right in front of you and getting that right. Don't worry about the next step. Get the current step done as well as possible, and then move on. Uh, We spend quite a bit of time on distractions, and along with that, we talk about attention, sort of how you know, what's going on in your brain uh, while you're working throughout the day and how to optimize your your attentional resources. And uh, distractions is a big part of that. And we have an exercise about distractions. What kind of distractions do you experience in the workplace? And just like the exercise with mistakes, you find that a lot of people, we go around the room and, every, and we write it up on the board and you find that, a lot of people experience the same distractions and we can address those in the room you know they can with some some are a little more complicated but you know maybe they need to leave and have additional discussions about how those can be discussed but I've literally had the situation where uh, you know several people complained about the water cooler in the room and so they move the water cooler and uh, that that solved the problem you know they don't have the water cooler discussions going on bothering everyone in the in the room, I've had one where it's such a simple. It always sticks in my in my mind. There were several people that worked in this in the same room, and they had cubicles, and they were engineers. And several people complained of a slamming door because people would go in and out of the design room to the to the uh, factory floor, and it came up like five times in this workshop. And um, out of not many people, like twenty people, so you know, the question was, well, why don't you soften the door? I mean, you can, you know, you can put something in the door to make that a softer thing, but that's a really simple, almost silly example, but it demonstrates the point very easily where it's, it's something that the individuals had said, man, that, that drives me nuts every day because, you know, 30 times a day, this door just slams really hard. And they didn't realize that five other people in the room were also annoyed by the same thing. And it was distracting and, you know, bugging them. And and for only you know, eight seconds, you know, but 30 times a day for eight seconds. And it's an exceptionally easy fix. And so we get into those distractions that, that uh, bother everybody. And and they could be anything from the air conditioning is loud to, gosh, in some places they have announcements over the PAs or the phone system. You know, anytime there's a call for someone, they announce it over everything instead of just calling the person directly uh, to course management the top ones the top ones are the uh you know time bandits people just stopping by the office
0: well i think that that's that's an interesting one because you get into how people behave in open plan environments exactly in general which is na- is naturally kind of full of distractions well, and that that's a hell of a thread to start tugging at, isn't it there's a lot yes, behind it that
1: it is it's a huge topic i mean you can get into office design and of course if you get into office design then it matters who's in the office and what stage of their, you know, are they new people? Are they in sales? Are they accounting? Are they, you know, is management there? What's the open door policy? You get into a lot of factors, and so that really gets into a one by one sort of, sort yeah, of. Yeah, but
0: if if the if your organization's value is really centered around that attention to detail or quality or something, or or that's the particular role, is it's a real value important to that role? Then it, it really does come into issues like office design and those those kind of silly distractions like a banging door or a water cooler in the wrong place that can really, you know, if that's such an important part of how that role succeeds, that's, that's a massive issue and one that's yeah. so easy to overlook because it seems so kind of superficial.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I find a lot of it is just people having discussions, you know, all these little things we, we take for granted like the slamming door five different people thought they were the only person bothered by the slamming door and then they go, Oh wait, bothers you guys, well, let's do something about it. And so, and you know, I'm sure, in 30 seconds they had a piece of felt in the, you know, in the door jam and it was fixed. It it doesn't slam so hard anymore. And, um, but you have a lot of things like that where, uh, you're just trying to help people But back to the point of focus, you're trying to help people use their, their cognitive resources as efficiently as possible throughout the day so that, you know, they, they can use them more effectively even at the end of the day, uh, you know, where they're not just sort of brain tired. They can still focus on the task at hand, and they have these other the other elements in place. So systems, for example, they have systems in place that that allow them to use their cognitive resources in the moment as effectively as possible, and the systems sort of help automate attention to detail.
0: Have you got an example of that?
1: Yeah, super example, uh, super simple example. We use all the time. Every probably everyone uses it. Uh, checklists. So I love checklists. I probably like them even more than average than the average person but a, a checklist used properly uh, which typically in, in the most simple way the best way you can use a checklist is to uh, of course of course keep it focused keep it keep it centralized on what's actually important so you shouldn't have 40 items on your checklist for the day you should you know 10 or 12 and prioritize it so also list the items in order so that you you decrease or eliminate your switching cost between tasks because your brain Every time you go through the decision process of okay, well, what, what do I do next? That is, it, it's fairly taxing from a cognitive standpoint, but also it takes more time. So, invest a little more time in the morning, saying these are my top, you know, these are the things to do today, and then prioritize them in order so that after you complete task one, just move on to task two without having to think about it, and then move on to task three, without any thought between. You can use that time to take a break, for example, every then. So you have that system in place with the checklist, and by having that in place, you can apply, and it doesn't seem like much, but it does make a difference, you can apply that those saved up cognitive resources to doing better in the moment, to to being more focused on an individual task, and not worrying about what you do next, because the list takes you to the next step.
0: Well, that's, a, that's a good example. I mean, they certainly are a great productivity tool. One One really good tip I heard was that the items you put on the checklist, you should always try to write what it is that you have to do i know it sounds a bit obvious but use the kind of the verb that says what you have to do so rather than just kind of book travel you are very specific and say book tickets for blah 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 so you don't have to keep thinking right what travel did i have to book again what was it again but if it really clearly says exactly what the task is that's a much easier again it's, it's i like your phrase there about using those cognitive resources yeah so don't make yourself guess every time what the item on the list means be really specific
1: Right. You know, another example I heard recently was there's a, it's for um, picking and packing. It, it's for people who, it's for the person in the process of uh, assembling a product. Someone has to go pick the parts. So instead of just sending that person off with the checklist to pick the parts, they actually created a tray, and the tray has to cut out items for each individual part. And so they don't have to count and recount to make sure they have the parts. They just take the part, put it in its shape spot, And then take the next part, put it in its shaped spot. And once all the spots are filled up, that's it. They have all the parts they need and they're done. They're, They're positive about it. You know, the system has created assurance. And also, that person doesn't have to think so hard. You know, it's, well, what's left? It's the part that fits in slot, you know, slot C, which is shaped like the part. And so they move on. And so there is.
0: I like that. Yeah. I love that. You've that's just great design isn't it
1: completely the yeah it's just system design right you've almost completely eliminated the uh, possibility of of
0: error yeah that's like when i go home and i kind of think right i've I've got to take four things yeah i can't always remember what those four things are but as i get oh yeah my phone my keys my pass you right. know um and that just and whenever when i can only find three things i think oh my god where's the fourth <laughs> um even if i can't actually remember what it is in that moment but it is a really useful way of of not forgetting what those four things are. Yeah. Which I can't remember now. Can remember three of them. But anyway, um, that, that's a, I, I love that example of the systems with the uh, you know as you say the shaped sort of things. I think that's just brilliant design, and we can use that a lot more often than we do. I imagine in in so many different things. Like I would just gave the example then of just trying to remember what it is I'm supposed to take home of, of an evening. Right. We can probably use that principle a lot more than we do.
1: Yes, absolutely, and and in. In the training, we go through sort of a toolbox of systems. You know, I mean, it's a four-hour workshop. We don't have time to go into every one in detail and in depth, but we sort of give the toolbox of systems, discuss them for a moment, and then we have exercises around developing systems to help people improve processes they deal with on a day-to-day basis. And that's just to uh, sort of empower people to understand that they can improve these processes because that's another thing that happens is is people think, well, you know, this is the way it's done. Um, I guess I'll just keep doing it that way and try to not to make a mistake. And we address it from a standpoint of, you know, there's something you do where errors happen. Fix that. You know, create a system that would automate that so you don't have to think so hard about it. And, in fact, so that even someone else that comes in, a newbie, for example, can do it and won't make mistakes like you had to struggle with.
0: Yeah, I, I would, I would absolutely love that part of the workshop. I tell you, <laughs> I'd have so much fun in it. The um, just just moving on to the other two areas because you we've talked about attitude, we talked about systems there, and we talked about focus. Mm-hmm. The other two things you mentioned were interest and knowledge. Yeah. So, what what are those in this context of attention to detail? And again, can you give us an example of the kind of thing you might do in a workshop?
1: Yeah, sure. So, interest is about having actual intrinsic interest in it. And it is I used to use the word motivation, but I don't like that word as much because that is sort of an external type motivation. And you know, you can you can offer a bonus for people to do better and it works in the short term. But in general, you want to develop real interest. And people do that in different ways. You can, you know, you see it in companies where they're developing a culture to get everyone, you know, moving in the same direction. And all understanding and, and moving towards the same goal and you it's done through plaques on the wall and you know informational posters and inspirational posters. And those are all those are all good ways. Uh, some of the ways that I like to suggest are people can learn more about the company. And it goes along with all of those other examples. But you know sometimes companies haven't done anything to build that culture, to build that understanding of the company so so learn about the company you can also learn about the industry you know what was this industry like before you know taxi drivers didn't always have cars a long time ago there was a horse-drawn carriage involved and uh, you know kind of where what's the history like what are you part of you can learn about your profession specifically so you know how what was accounting like before what was typesetting like before you know what was the printing industry before um, so those are just some some ways you can develop it, and of course, you can leadership can affect it by helping people understand their roles. That's that's a really important part. Uh, making sure everyone understands that what they do matters, because the the worst thing you can have is someone who's saying, "Why should I bother with this? It doesn't matter anyway." And so that's the sort of thing you're trying to eliminate in this is that basic interest in doing it right. And by helping someone understand their role in a process and the value to others, uh, you can really develop a, a strong intrinsic interest because people want to do well. They, they in general, you know, 99% of people really want to do well. They want a pat on the back. Uh, they want to raise, or you know, they just want to be part of something positive. Interest, and and that's probably one of the more intuitive or the most intuitive part of this, but. The part that's not intuitive is actually addressing it in the first place, and so that's why we bring it up. And then knowledge is actually where I wish most people would start because I will get calls sometimes where someone says, hey, I have an individual or maybe a, you know, a team of people and they make a lot of mistakes and there seems to be sort of a, you know, they've, they've come to think that it's okay to make these mistakes because they make them all the time. And often my first question is, well, have they been trained properly? And more often than not, there's a bit of a pause and consideration and and the answer may be no. And I really think the knowledge component, the training, the education, uh, the understanding should be the first thing addressed because sometimes somebody started to work there just after training day or they were sick on training day or they didn't actually understand it but they didn't feel comfortable asking for additional help or the training was inadequate. Uh, and so that's uh,
0: yeah, or, or they forgot it.
1: Yeah, exactly. As
0: well, there's lots, lots of reasons why right. training doesn't necessarily lead to knowledge improvement in the longer term.
1: Exactly. So there's a lot of reasons, and and uh, it's it's exceptionally important to address. And and you know, like you say, they forgot it. It could be that it just needs to be repeated every quarter, or you know, by whatever process, or maybe improvements need to be made. The software changed, and someone forgot. There's so many reasons, but but. Uh, knowledge is is really important Important.
0: So you mean just in, in this context you're meaning knowledge in the sense that they just know how they just need to know how to do it properly.
1: Yeah and of course and, and with a lot of these you can use systems to improve that right so um, with knowledge you you typically want to reduce the needs for knowledge as much as possible which goes back to addressing the three types and making the task or the uh, process as contrastive as possible so you can reduce that need for knowledge by introducing a system such as a checklist or maybe a software which which just kind of walks someone through the process so that they don't actually have to know as much as as uh, the person who developed the process they just need to follow the steps
0: yeah that makes sense so you you bung as much of it into systems as you can right so that because because that's more that's more reliable that's kind of hardwired then isn't it
1: That's how fast food franchises work, right? I mean, a 16-year-old doesn't have to know how to make a hamburger. They just have to know that the flashing light is going on and it's time to take that thing off. And so uh, that's all it is. It's just systems in place.
0: Yeah, yeah. The more you put there, that's that's the the less fallible pit of the process, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean you've made that into such an interesting topic it's it's quite it's quite interesting when you first um you know got in touch about this I kind of thought attention to detail I'm not quite sure how that will (laughs) work but actually you've really pulled that into something really quite fascinating so thank you very much for your for your time and um you know your expertise here because I think that's made for a really interesting approach yeah
1: thank you I I um I'm really glad to see that it it actually does help teams it helps organizations and I'm I've been so thankful just to see that that process put in place for a lot of a lot of companies. it's It's really nice to be helpful in that way.
0: Yeah, and I can see this being really applicable, um, as you say, to teams, organizations and of course to individuals. I can see they've been really applicable and really making quite a big difference. And I hope this has sparked a lot of interest in people listening to this as something else that they can talk about with clients and something else that they can you know really add value with the with the people they're talking to. Yeah,
1: yeah, I hope so too. Hope so too.
0: Because I don't think it's an obvious thing. I don't think it's an intuitive thing that we would necessarily talk about or necessarily think we could address. But you've really kind of, I think, given us a way to think think about that. So thanks very much, Chris. Thanks for your time. Thanks for um, sharing your, your knowledge and expertise on this subject. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for your time.